When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The dream is made real. Ricky Howard rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and for this episode, I am joined by Jimmy Kelly, who's from Withenshaw and going all the way to Kuwait next weekend for an exhibition. But it's not the only reason you're on the show, Jimmy. It's also to talk about your boxing career and everything that you've been through over the last few years. Now, I've been following your career for quite some time. I've been doing this media thing for about six years now. uh, And you were one of the first people that I came and saw and did interviews with. And it feels a little bit of a come circle, come forward circle moment where we kind of, we're back on and you're at a different stage of your career now. You've been involved in high profile fights and you've got this exhibition coming up, which is what we're going to talk about. But it's um it's been a long road and you're at a certain point of your career now and it's it's really good to get you back on to sort of chat through what it's been like the last few years um so just a little bit of a summary from yourself then Jimmy what what has the last few years been like for yourself yeah so um no I'm a pleasure to be on the podcast again so thank you mate appreciate it um I think the last few years obviously um I think if I go back to say COVID and that like it, it was a bit of a weird time for everybody in like sport and obviously boxing like no different and I think just as we were coming out of COVID I think for me um, I, I was offered the Kenai Islam fight um, but I had um, I've not boxed in like say two years or something but you know I was I was, I was probably the same as most people like in training and hoping to for an opportunity but the phone was like it ring and yeah, I had I had a fight in to go over to Nigeria during COVID, and then that fell through. And so just like loads of different things like that, but you know, I knew it wouldn't last forever. I just thought, you know, I'll just stay in, and I enjoyed like the couple of years where I felt like from being a kid, from like say eleven or twelve, being amateur, I've trained and fought nonstop and put my body through like a bit of a tough time. And I had like two years where I just was able to like work, knuckle down and work on my strength. I was, I was able to go in the gym and just work technical stuff without having to think, oh, I've got to get a good workout here today because I've got a fight or I've got to make weight. I was able to just go in the gym and just like really drill. Um, so when, when the Kanata fight came about, um, I already had a scheduled fight against um, 
It's supposed to be someone else at the time. It's supposed to be a, a lad who was former Commonwealth champ, um, an African kid, but they were going about like Omicron and all that rubbish at the time. So they said, try get um, try get like a British opponent, and I couldn't get anyone other than Harry Matthews. And you know, we coming at thirteen stone. I was only like just over twelve, um, but I knew that that fight was down the line, and you know, I got a good stoppage against Harry Matthews, and it set up the uh, the Cat Islam fight, which. You know, I was a massive underdog for that and, you know, I, I fortunately got the win. It was a big moment for your career. Let's let's be honest. I think, like, you know, you'd, you'd had a couple of rocky moments. You'd had your, your fight very early on with Liam Smith, which feels like an absolute lifetime ago now in 2015. Yeah, yeah. And then you had, obviously, that controversial loss to Dennis Hogan going over to Australia. And, and you know, many people, including myself at the time, felt you was really hard done to with that decision. So you had to move up past all that mentally. And then we have COVID. And then that lasts, what, two years. So during that time, you've had to go through these different transitions and phases. And then you get that fight uh, against Islam and you get that victory and I suppose like like you said you was an underdog and people maybe didn't expect you to come out of that fight as as the victor but you came out and you got the victory and you did and put on such a such a great fight against him that people actually stood up and went Do you know what this guy's feeling starting to fulfill his potential a little bit here uh, and that that performance obviously led in then to your next fight because your next fight was was the the biggest fight of your career against Jaime Munguia, who's who's touted as this big boxing superstar, and and they're looking at him as like Canelo's successor in the future when Canelo goes. So, for you then to get that level of a fight last year in June was just a, a huge, huge ask for yourself, and it must have been a hell of an experience because I think when I watch that fight and I look back on it now, I think like you went into it with probably expectations of trying to do as best as possible knowing you was up against it but then I think you walked out of that fight with your stock sort of going from down there to up there because I think people looked at you uh, especially in America and went you know what this guy's a really tough fighter and actually he's got the potential to to do something within this sport and I think that's kind of what many people took away from it they actually saw the real you and I think that was in part because of the time you've had out of the ring and you've been able to work on yourself and then you've been able to come back and show people that actually this is the real Jimmy Keller and now you're back and you're in action and you've just got a recent victory obviously just just last week or so ago uh, in America again and now you've got this other exhibition fight that's coming up which is, is going to Kuwait so like I said, from sort of Withinshaw to to Kuwait is the title of this episode, and it feels like a real big journey that you've that you've undergone. So, just going back to the Munguia fight, what experiences have you taken from that? No, it was it was a great experience because it, it was a big name. Um, it was is in California, which you know is like heavily populated, like Mexicans, and you know I was I was outnumbered massively. I took about ten people. Uh, with us and you know I, I I went in there with the same mentality that I went in with the Islam fight and expecting to win and you know the odds for me when I started with a Canat I think it was like 12, 28 to 1 or whatever it is like the underdog and people made a right few quid like betting on us and and I had the same mentality there and I thought you know the Canat was an Olympic silver medalist he's beat the likes of you know Derianchenko and the amateurs and he was 28 and over 24 knockouts and I thought yeah, this, this lad's a little bit bigger, um, this Munguia, but if I, if I have the same game plan and whatnot, 
I'll be fine. And and the first four rounds, I think I breezed like I won. I think I won it like um, pretty easily. But what I felt like, I felt like it was uh, so we put on like thirty pound between the weigh and the fight, and I just felt like yeah, I was winning. But imagine like if we're doing a marathon and I'm sprinting, and I'm like I'm ten yards ahead to someone that's like jogging. You get what I mean? And yeah, I was winning, but I just felt like. He was just there all the time. He, he just felt massive in the ring compared to us. And then, you know, I, um, he caught us and put us down the first time. I, I wasn't that badly hurt. Um, and I remember thinking from watching these fights before, if he hurts you, he sort of swarms you and he just goes for the finish. So I thought, I'm going to blag that I'm not hurt. If I get hit or hurt in a fight, I'm going to just pretend I'm not hurt. And, you know, I ran straight at him and just to took the centre of the ring and just, like, carried on to me boxing. And then the second knockdown, that's that that sort of had a bit of an impact. As I come in, like try to pretend I wasn't hurt, he like stepped back and threw a big uppercut, and that's the the shot in the fight that probably done the most damage. The third, I was still a bit shaky when I got up with the third, but I felt like I was still moving and defending. But you know, one of the shots caught me in the back of the head, and I went down, and the referee called it. But you know, he's a he's a massive puncher. He's a he's a good guy. Um, Delahoya came in, was in the changing room. So obviously the fight was at super middleweight. Um, he said, he said you'll you'll um, you'll win a world title of one sixty. Said there's not many people that would beat you tonight. And he said um, after round four, I turned round to me matchmaker Robert Diaz and said, if we've got a rematch clause here because we might need it, you know. So you know, I, I went away, had a bit of time, um, and then yeah, I me mean, I went back onto Pro Box TV, got a win over there against. Um, I get a tough kid, a tough Dominican who was he's 13 and 3. He beat Mark DeLuca in a big upset. And you know, that was a, it was quite a tough fight like uh, with him last week. And you know, I'm just happy to be uh, to be kept active in a sense. Like I've had that fight then last week. Um and then it's gonna lead on nicely to you know next weekend in Kuwait, you know, against another great fighter, Kerbinov, and you know, it, um, it's even though it's an exhibition, it's four threes. It's it's more world class rounds that I'm going to be getting. Yeah, exactly. And I looked at the fight, and it was coming up, and I thought, you know, this is a, a really good fight for you because although obviously you've essentially moved out of that division, and you're, you're fighting at 160 more prominently now, he's still a guy at that division that you was formerly at, who's people don't really want to fight him. You know, I got the feeling people are trying to uh, avoid fighting him. Uh, so this is a really good opportunity, albeit an exhibition, to, again, test your skills, skills against somebody like him and sort of see, again, uh, even though it's an exhibition, I know for a fact you're going to go in there and you're going to be like, well, I'm going to see what I can do with this guy and see like how, how I can fare up against someone at, at this sort of class and this level, again, before you move on with your career. But the activity side of things as well is, is brilliant because regardless of how little time you're getting in the ring, in the exhibition it's still going in there against somebody and it's doing it in a completely different country bringing boxing to a completely different country and you know you're sort of spearheading that with him and it's a it's a really great opportunity and i'd really love to know how it came about hey well the the, the, the interesting thing me misses um that's where she was brought up she was brought up in kuwait um, and she left uh, during the uh, invasion, like when the Iraq invaded Kuwait. So she moved over here and it come through like a, like a relative of hers. Um, and he just then, then initially, like he said, they were trying. Obviously, they've seen like what the likes of Qatar are doing with the World Cup, and you got Saudi in Dubai, and 
you know, I think um, Kuwait's the second richest Arab country after Qatar, apparently. So I think they've looked and thought, well, we, we can compete and do better than them at that level. So um, for like a cousin of Jahan's, it come through that way. And they just said uh, they've got um, one of the fellas that they've got on board on the KSP, like Kuwait Sport Promotion, is he's one of the head of the Middle East WBC. So they've got... Um, they just try to do like a dry run. So basically, they've got a couple of Thai boxing WBC world title fights, a couple of their amateurs having their professional debut. And they, want, they just said, we want to put like a high-level boxing fight slash um, exhibition thing going on. Uh, and we want to do it easy. don't want to be negotiating back and forth. So initially, it said to us, like, they had um, an old Dominican Republic amateur who lives over there. said, would you do one with him? So I said, yeah, yeah no problem. But then apparently Kerbinov training in Thailand and they had the WBC convention there. They must have spoken. He messaged me like um, a week or so before I was supposed to go to America. He said, are you interested in doing the exhibition uh, against Kerbinov? And I said, yeah, like what a good opportunity. You know, I know he's waiting for the likes of the Tim Suzu and the, the Charlo situation regarding the belts. You know, I'm... I'm uh, my team had talks with me fighting Yanni Beck for the WBO, so we're both in a position where it's like we've got big fights on the horizon, but you know, instead of letting politics or boxing keep you inactive, like I want to be still moving. And you know, for me, it's I've would have fought in Florida twice, I've fought in LA, I've fought in Brisbane, and you know, for me to compete in Kuwait again, um, is again more experienced and well traveled, and it's only going to stand me in good stead if it comes that I've got to go to Kazakhstan to fight the likes of Yanni Beck. That's cool. I've, I would have been the away fighter many times. So it's just uh, I'm I'm chuffed with the opportunity. But if I look at like my last like year, you know, I've fought Kanat uh, Islam, who was a fantastic unbeaten fighter at the time. Then I fought Munguia, fantastic unbeaten fighter. I've gone in with a dangerous Dominican who's caused big upsets against the likes of Mark DeLuca. And then I'm I'm boxing an unbeaten or an, an exhibition of young unbeaten. Um, fight who's got a win over Liam Smith so for rounds and experience I'm just getting what I can in and all this is a great experience for you as well Jimmy the thing is you know with the middleweight division being how it is at the moment you know the likes of Liam Smith getting his victory over Chris Eubank Jr and then they're talking about him fighting Janny Beck next and then you've got Golovkin potentially fighting Erez Landy Lara there so the, the you know the landscape of the division is looking really open for you at the moment Million percent, and like um, I know Ben Shalom um, is looking to bring Yank over here, obviously for the likes of Liam. But if they're going to do that, does it make sense for it to have a semi-final uh, on both sides, and then the winner of me, Johnny Beck, can fight the winner of Smith and Eubank? That's been mentioned. Uh, I spoke to Kuwaitis and just said, uh, my manager spoke to Tom Lofer, uh, Golovkin's manager, and just said. Um, if the money's right, would you look to do it in Kuwait if they're going to put money up as the, like, the Saudis and whatnot have done? And, and he seemed keen and just said, like, yeah, like, go have a, when you're over there, have a chat, put the feels out and let's have a conversation. So, again, like, for them, for they wanting to compete in sport and tourism and stuff like that, like, what, what better fight is, could there be than, like, me who I would have competed there in a sense um, and then Golovkin is, you know, is a world champion. If the, if you know, if it makes sense for him to come over there, that could be like a good intro. And you know, the Kuwaitis have got a lot of good, um, 
they've got a lot of good plans moving forward and they're very they're very easy to deal with people like they're very respectful and you know I, I like it and I think that side of the world is going to be a big um, a big place for sport moving forward well, Golovkin has been ordered to fight Erislandi Lara in his in his next defence. That's what I've been reading yeah. today. I don't know if that will come to fruition, but if it does, it certainly obviously ties him up for a little bit longer. But you know, we're early on in twenty twenty three. If if it does sort of get him into the you know the early summer, there's a potential in in late twenty twenty three that actually something might come off with that. But it really must be for you at this stage of your career. It must be really exciting now because I can imagine it must be hard at times in your position to be going and just kind of feeling like you're plodding along, just waiting for this sort of big fight to come along. It feels like since the return to boxing from COVID, it's like you've just kind of hit the ground running. You've had big wins. You've had uh, really respectable performances and you've gone up against it, against a much bigger guy in Munguia and actually come out of it with, with more credit than what you went into it, regardless of the result. And and I think that's a, a, a huge thing at this stage of your career. And the reason I keep banging on about it is because, you know, I've been watching you for some time, as you know, and, and it just feels like you're at this point in your career now where it's like, this is where Jimmy's going to get all his opportunities. He's potentially going to get a world title fight uh, once again, and he's, he's going to be in a position where maybe he could actually go on to be successful and become a world champion, which is the dream. Yeah, I think I've definitely got the ability to do so. Like, and you know, the, the likes of Canada Islam, if he was an unbeaten American Olympian, and I would have beat him, I'd be a household name over it. But the, the the frustrating thing was like the odds of me beating him was bigger than Don Curry and Lloyd Punigan to go abroad. Like the for me to beat a twenty eight, uh, I don't know what order it goes on, twenty eight to one underdog. They're saying like Kel Brook and Sean Porter was like seven to one. So uh, it was the biggest upset on paper of a British fighter abroad in I don't know how long and. You know, it wasn't picked up by anyone. Like no one even mentioned it because you know he's a he's a Kazakh and I, I'm a Brit and I'm you know I'm not backed by these massive promoters. But yeah, in, in regards to like I said before, the Golovkin and Lara, apparently Lara's fighting a bit of mad on Danny Garcia at middleweight for the WBA, and so I think from the conversations that's been had, I think that's probably the direction that they're gonna go. Like there's gonna be a bit of a deal where they both do their own thing and. Golovkin's maybe at a point in his career where does he want to be running around after a Lara? You know, he might want to say, I want to, I want to finish my career in a win. And I, if it's on the zone, I've, I've boxed on the zone before, putting a good performance on the zone, he might see me as a non puncher. And I think, you know, everyone gets old at a certain point. And, and I think I've got, the, I've got the style to cause problems. He's, he's, he's a monster and I've gone after swim the channel if it ever came about but you know why not yeah, I mean I'm willing to take a chance and, and see where I'm at in level wise because I'm 30 myself I don't want to potter about and, and, and have meaningless fights like if I want to see where I'm at yeah I mean and for the time I'm hoping the time it could be right and everything just falls into place I think the Janibek fight, looking at that, you've seen obviously Denzel Bentley fighting uh, very recently and, and Denzel putting on a, a pretty good performance against him and I genuinely thought he made him, he didn't make him look the monster that people make him out to be. 
And I think that was one of the things I took away from it. And and obviously the potential of you fighting him, given the experience you've had, and, and, you know, with the greatest of respect to Denzel, I'd put you above him, you know, in terms of where you're at in your career and what you've achieved. I'd say, you know, looking at that fight, is that something you have done and gone, do you know what? I know I could I could beat this guy, seeing what I've seen against other people. Yeah, I think um, I've had this conversation a few times, like... Um... I think every time you've got a, uh, a Kazakh, it's always like, oh, it's next Golovkin. They're, they're looking to fill the void. And, that, and that's all I heard when I fall. Can I Islam again? He's from Kazakhstan. And it's like, oh, oh yeah, he's the next Golovkin. He's the next Golovkin. He's, he's a big power puncher and he's a monster like Golovkin. And then when they beat him, and then when people have mentioned Janibek, it's been the same convo. Like, I've, heard it, I've heard this before. Like you're quick to just make this parallel, and you know Johnny Beck is a is a great fighter, but I think people are too quick to go, oh yeah, that's Golovkin, he's a Kazakh, and he's a monster. You do try and make that parallel too soon, um, but again, he's world champion. He, he's beat, he's beat everyone. You know the 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 fight with Bentley. He's he, if you look at the box ticks, he's come through a hard fight and done a twelve round, so he's he's gonna be more rounded a fighter. But again, like why not? Fuck it. So this stage of your career now, you said it before, meaningless fights for you really are kind of off the table now. It's 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 about doing something that means something at this stage of your career and these are the types of fights you want to go for. And I'm assuming the fact that you, you're staying at 160 is now kind of where you're going to be at. Would you ever go back up again to super middleweight or is it just after fighting Mungui, was that just too much given the, the, the difference in the ring on the night? I think it depends on the uh, the time and the opponent. Like, um, you know, if it's a massive fight that like you can't turn down, I like say if it was a Canelo at one sixty eight, I think you, 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 it's impossible to say no. But you know, the Munguia fight, I was only given like four weeks' notice for the fight, so I wasn't able to to really build and and do the right things. Like, yeah, I was I was heavy, but I was like out of training, heavy. Get what I mean? I wasn't able to to put the uh, like good size on him. You know, if I had 12 weeks against somebody, like, I, 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 I've asked, uh, can I have Mungir again at 160? And they're like, no. Like, therefore, you know, with eight weeks and at 160, I would have, it would have been a different fight in my eyes. Like, he was just fucking massive uh, on the fight night. But with those extra five pounds, I'd put them, like, different to him. Yeah, I, I believe so. And I reckon he wouldn't have got to it. But, yeah, I think I'm at a point when they're the only fights that I'd like now. Um and, you know, I've got a good team, um, the manager, James, me, promotion, ProBox TV. You know, they've, they've got everything there that's needed. That said, the last fight, because I'm coming, coming off a loss, the WBO and whatnot said, if they were to do the Johnny Beck fight, like, they can't do it because I'm coming off a loss. So, it's like I had to get a win. Um, and again, I could have had a journeyman win in the UK, but, you know, I thought Edward Aloha Diaz, and he's a very, you know, he's, a, he's small and he's quite... He was quite stocky in that, but you know he's had some good uh, upsets. Like he, he dropped Mark DeLuca a couple of times and got the win over him. Yeah, he fought that Roberto Garcia and lo- uh, lost by stoppage, but put on a really tough performance. And I knew like it was going to be a hard fight, but yeah, again, like I, I think I've got a good eight rounds. I won on all cards, and that just sets me up for what's next. And instead of just sat waiting, um, this this exhibition came along, and I just thought. There's no reason why not. 
What what do you expect out of this then going into it? Would it be an only an exhibition? It's it's kind of like a glorified sparring session for the most part for for people that are listening that think well what what's this all about? It kind of is like that, but going into an exhibition from a professional fight as a professional fighter. What is it like? I mean, what what do you think it's going to feel like doing that? Because I know you've obviously all, all the amateur background you have and the different things you've done over your career. I'm I'm very well aware of it. But trying to sort of put that across to other people that are listening and tuning in and going, well, it's only an exhibition. You know, did they really go at it as as much as what you think they do? There's there's usually sort of unwritten rules between one another when you go into an exhibition you know we're not gonna try and sort of go hell for leather with it and try and you know injure each other and get cuts and all the all the things that could potentially happen in a fight what are you kind of expecting going into this i'm expecting something along the lines of maybe a little bit like spa plus you get what i mean i i for me like i've i'm i'm sharp from the fight anyway you know i'm a great fighter he's a great fighter and I think if uh, anyone does something that the other doesn't like, like the, we're, we're both well within our strength to put the other person in the place. Um, so I'm just going to go out there and just have a bit of fun. He, he posted today, like, and tagged me in something and said, like, oh, he's looking, he, basically the same thing as me. He's looking forward to having a bit of fun in front of the Q80 people. And I think there's a bit of a stigma in, like, the Q8 of, like, boxing being a bit barbaric. So I think we're both mindful of not looking like thuggish and, and anyone getting hurt as it is an exhibition and carrying ourselves like professionally um, and, you know, maybe eliminating that stigma. But the thing is, like, we're, we're both good professionals, we're both experienced this. And I'm sure, like, if if he lands something that I think is a bit of a piss take, I'll be giving it back and vice versa. But it's only four frees, big gloves. Um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of powerful people that are going to be there, the royal family and the, a lot of the good businessmen. So we just want to put on a, a good advertisement for boxing. So finally then, as we come to the end, I've spoke about it with you and you've mentioned it a few times about where your career is, is going. Ultimately then, try and summarise it as best you possibly can. What does the next 12 months in your mind look like in an ideal world? I think in an ideal world, it'll be world title by hook or by crook. If it's, you know, they've got the likes of Charlo that's not defending his belt for 18 months. You've got the likes of, you know, you've got Golovkin, you've got um, Lara, you've got Janny Beck. I, I think the wins that I've had, the position that I'm in, um, and even like I'm, I'm, I'm under no illusion that when you have a fight against someone like the level of Munguia and you have a little bit of success, you sort of are used like a Gabriel Rosado where it's like, oh, like I've done him in, what's like a Mundi, Munguia stopped him five, I'm going to try doing him four. He won rounds against Munguia, I'm going to try and win every round. And you sort of use it like a little bit of a, a measuring stick for that. But on their side, but in my mind, I'm not a measuring stick and I'm happy to play that role if it gets me a, a bigger fight, you know, the likes of Johnny Beck and Golovkin. So Johnny Beck and Mungir have been on a bit of a course where they should have fought, but it's not sort of happened. So I just think it makes sense. The likes of Johnny Beck might go, well, he's already beat one Kazakh, so that sells. And I beat a Brit and that sells. And, you know, I think I think that will be a world, it'll, it'll, it'll accumulate to a world title in the next 12 months anyway. So, for anybody that wants to tune in to the exhibition and the card in general, is there a way in which they can do that? 
I think so. I mean, I'll have a, I'll, I'll have a mooch on the uh, the link all the links in like Arabic and stuff like that. So <laughs> I think that's the language you speak. But I'll have a mooch and see uh, what the proper details are. But yeah, they've got uh, like I said, they've got a lot of plans moving forward. Uh, they've got a massive football stadium there, the Sheikh Jabber uh, Stadium, which is like state of the art. And yeah, I think um, I'm looking forward to being a part of the, their journey moving forward. Well. It's always been great following your journey. It's exciting now. We're getting to this point where I know these big fights are going to come for you. And sitting from the outside looking in to what goes on, it, it is exciting just as a fan in general to sort of see that, you know, someone getting their just deserves, which is opportunities like this. And whilst this is, is a little move around for you next week, it certainly puts eyes on you and puts relevant people on you that actually might lead you into that, that said title shot that you're looking for. So, yeah, obviously very best of luck for, for the exhibition but for your future going forward because I genuinely believe you will get another title shot and genuinely believe yeah. you know within the next 12 months we're going to see you on a, on another big platform once more having that defining night in your career and it's it's going to be exciting to see and I know everybody that follows you and the support that you have which is which is great support uh, I know they're going to be right behind you and they're going to be traveling with you and they're going to be looking forward to seeing what happens next in your story. Yeah, thank you, mate. I appreciate it. And again, like, nice to interview after all these years and, you know, on touch base. So thank you, mate. I appreciate it. Well, big thanks to Jimmy for coming on the show. He's got his exhibition against Magomed Kabanov this coming weekend in Kuwait. It's going to be an interesting affair to see how boxing in Kuwait starts the way football has in Qatar and the way obviously the Saudis are starting to take over the boxing world with all these events that they're putting on and the money that they're putting into it so big thanks to Jimmy as always for coming on the show and for taking his time out to speak to myself and if you do want to follow Jimmy's journey you can find him across social media at Jimmy Kilrain Kelly and if you've enjoyed the episode all you guys that are listening that are maybe Jimmy's fans friends listeners whoever it is that's connected to Jimmy guys please make sure you give this a share on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We're on YouTube also. You can find us on there at BTR Boxing Podcast Network. Please put the episode on your social media channels and give Jimmy all the exposure that he deserves going into this peak of his boxing career. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show, and we will be back with further episodes later this week. Podcast Network.